What's going on, everyone? It's Wednesday, January 11th. I'm Zachary Crockett. I've got Rob Litters with me today, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're talking about a classic American sport. It's not football. It's not baseball. We're talking bowling, baby. But in recent times, there's been some technological changes with these pins, and it's stirring up some controversy in the bowling community. Rob's going to fill us in, but first, let's take a look at what else is going on in tech and business today. A recent report from Apple shows that developers have earned $320 billion since the App Store's 2008 launch. That's up from $260 billion in 2021, and there are also now around 900 million paid App Store subscriptions per Apple. Coinbase is cutting 20% of its 4,700-person work staff following an 18% cut back in June. Meanwhile, some slightly better news in the crypto community. Bitcoin ATMs worldwide have actually increased to about 38,600 units. That's about double since 2018. Microsoft is in talks to invest $10 billion into chat GPT owner OpenAI in a deal that would make Microsoft get 75% of OpenAI's profits until recouped, and then after that, 49% stake in the company. They're interested in taking on Google, and they think that ChatGPT in internet search form might increase the value of ads. New Jersey and Ohio are the latest states to ban TikTok on government-managed devices. That's over concerns that ByteDance, the Chinese conglomerate that owns TikTok, is collecting data and posing a security risk. In the last three weeks, more than a dozen states have announced their own bans. And speaking of bans, England is going to ban single-use plastic, including cutlery and plates, to cut down on waste. It banned single-use plastic straws back in 2020. And lastly, onions have skyrocketed in price in the Philippines to three times that of chicken. That's due to typhoons, and it's led to some pretty serious onion smuggling operations. All right, let's get into bowling here. So traditionally, Rob, you know, you throw the ball down the lane. It smacks the pins down. They go flying everywhere. And this weird cage thing comes and grips the pins, pulls it up, clears out the pins. But from what I hear, there's this new device in town. Yeah, you nailed it, Zach. And I mean, I think if you're actually a really good bowler, then you don't need to worry about the thing that comes down and collects the pins because you knock all the pins over yourself. But Mm -hmm. for those of us that are like you and me... You don't have to brag about it, Rob. We all (laughs) know you're a 300 bowler. (laughs) Trust me, Zach. When my family goes bowling, I am in dead last every single time. (laughs) I have There's something with my balance. There's something with my grip. I don't know what it is. I am lucky if I get over 100. I am am a terrible bowler. Hmm. And so the technology that lifts the pins is actually hyper relevant for my bowling game because I'm often getting more than five pins lifted after... (laughs) every turn. But the name of the game right now is string pins. And basically what this technology is, is nylon strings that are attached to the top of these bowling pins. And it'll essentially pull them up into the rack after a shot. And once the other pins are cleared out, it'll replace the ones that the player left standing. Hmm. And so this is kind of a new spin or a new technology on those old kind of claw style grabbers that would come down and and pick up the pins. Mm -hmm. And what's going on here is this is essentially like technological innovation in the world of bowling, which are two things you wouldn't really see happening at the same time. Right. The string pins are simpler and cheaper than the free fall machines that have traditionally been used. Repairs are less expensive and faster. 
And it's also cheaper than hiring human pin setters, which haven't really been seen in a long time. But that had me thinking like, Hmm. I honestly think if you opened a bowling alley right now with human pin setters, you would have (laughs) a field day with business. Like I think people would just be drawn to that in this world of kind of digital devices, something that analog would actually probably thrive. All right. So this tech change, like you said, it's kind of weird to call it a tech change because it's actually simpler than the system they have in place now. So it's one of those weird sort of things where the new tech is actually sort of devolving from the current tech in complexity. Totally. But in any case, this makes things better for alley owners. It's easy to manage. It reduces costs. But it it seems to be stirring a a little bit of a, a stink among bowlers. So there's kind of a divide on the string pin dilemma. On one hand, you have the International Bowling Federation, which says that string pins are fine to use in tournament play. But on the other side, you have the U.S. Bowling Congress, which who knew there were so many governing bodies in the world of bowling? It's pretty crazy. <laughs> These guys are pointing to a study that looked at 86,000 shots and found that string pins result in 7% fewer strikes and more frequent splits. Hmm. So very, very interesting data here. Ultimately, what they're saying is that these string pins are kind of changing the complexion of the game and changing how people can actually play. Okay, first of all, bowling Congress. That sounds uh, <laughs> yeah. like I'm afraid I'm going to get some kind of like you know, smacked down by the FTC when I hear that. Right. So this change, 7% reduction for someone like you or I who bowls like, yeah. you know, 100 or 80 or something. Get one split you know? around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's not going to affect our one split around, but professional bowlers, 7%. I mean, these guys are all like, you know, bowling 280 at least in every round. So oh, 7% yeah. is what determines the match sometimes. Can be a massive deal. Totally. So it's it's interesting because you have this one governing body saying that this would be fine in tournament play. And then some of this data I think is extremely concerning if you're a professional bowler. And honestly, like every single pin counts when you're at that level because everybody's so freaking good. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, the kind of concentration of those scores are all between 280 and 300. So 7% can make a massive difference. Sure. Well, I wanted to step back a little bit here. Beyond the tech, you know, you mentioned that way back in the day, they had human pin setters. And, you know, back in the 40s was sort of the first time we saw a lot of these major tech advancements. Before, we had young boys who would just stand behind the bowling pins and put them back (laughs) up with their hands after every single roll. That was when we sort of shifted to machines in maybe the mid-1930s, 1940s. Also, you know, we used to use wooden balls. Now they're replaced by these plastic models. A lot has changed in bowling over time. And, uh, you know, in sports in general, technological changes are always controversial. Totally. But we're at the point now where, you know, bowlers today pretty commonly bowl, you know, high 290s or, or 300s in competition play. You just mentioning those bowling ball boys just kind of reminded me that tennis is still like living (laughs) in the 19th (laughs) century, apparently. Like if you watch any professional tennis tournament, they have ball boys running around and like collecting the balls. Mm -hmm. I guess it's a little bit harder for a machine to collect tennis balls than it is in a bowling alley. But Boston Dynamics could probably make a robot that does that. Yeah, exactly. A little dog robot that runs around and fetches those, (laughs) those tennis balls. Yeah, could totally see that. You know, one interesting other thing about bowling that I've come across is today, the top bowlers in the PBA, these are guys who are incredibly skilled. They're like at the top of the game in bowling. The average PBA bowler actually makes around forty-five to 50000 a year, wow. which is so low for such a high caliber athlete. Right. And the top earner in 2021, I just looked this up, was 496000 Wow. Uh, so uh, imagine being, you know, the top earner in your sport and making, you know, less than half a million a year. 
some of the contracts these guys in the NBA or Major League Baseball are getting are in the tens of millions of dollars. Right. But if you step back to the golden era of bowling in the 60s and 70s, some of these anecdotes about these professional bowlers and the amount of money and fame that they had is astonishing. So Harry Smith, the top bowler in 1963, he made more money than the Major League MVP Sandy Koufax and the NFL MVP Y.A. Tittle combined. What? <laughs> and uh, Harry Smith. Harry Smith. It was a legend. And 1964, you had the bowling legend Don Carter. He was the first athlete in any sport. So football, baseball, first athlete in any sport in U.S. history to receive a $1 million endorsement deal. So the first athlete to ever get a seven-figure endorsement deal was a professional bowler. That's insane. Yeah. I wonder if there's like something way deeper here. So was there a lot of sports on TV like by 1964? Totally true. This, this is sort of at that juncture where TVs were sort of being mass commercialized and you know it was starting to become pretty common in American households to own a TV. And a lot of kids grew up watching these bowling tournaments on television. And they were some of the first early sports stars of the televised era, to your point. And, you know, advertisers go where the eyeballs are. So I guess it made right. sense at the time. And wasn't the bowling alley back in the day kind of like a communal place where people would hang out? Like I read some of this book. I'm not going to pretend I read the whole thing called <laughs> Bowling Alone. That's all about how mm. in American life, people are not as connected as they used to be. And I think one area yeah, that yeah. they were looking at is, is the bowling alley. And so it seems like that kind of fallout started happening in the 60s and 70s which could be somehow connected to bowling and its popularity. That is a super interesting point, actually. So, you know, we've talked a little bit on the show about the decline of community activities, like me right. church membership is down, community center, you know, involvement, involvement in nonprofit activity outside of work. Bowling alleys were very much like a communal place where the working class in particular would go to sort of bond. If you go all the way back in the very early days in the 1300s in England, bowling was kind of an upper crust activity. King Henry VIII, he actually banned bowling for everybody except the people in the upper crust. No and way. the reason he did that is because bowling infatuated the working class so much that King Henry VIII thought that the working class was neglecting their trades and it was impeding <laughs> on the financial progress of the nation. If only King Henry VIII saw fantasy football, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh. But, you know, over time, it became really a working class sport and um, uh, just something that, you know, after work, you'd pop by the alley, have a couple drinks with your buddies and bowl a couple rounds. Totally. And of course, you know, Big Lebowski uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> elevated it to another level. Absolutely. Yeah. Honestly, that's, I think, probably like the first thing that I think of when I think of bowling is just the Big Lebowski and Walter being absolutely crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my uh, sister's boyfriend actually is a huge bowler and uh he's nice. been sucking her into the sport in recent times and he got her a personalized bowling ball for christmas amazing it's pretty funny that's awesome so did he give it to her wrapped up were you there like was it wrapped up as a ball like i feel like it's really hard when you're opening a bowling ball for it to be anything else like i feel like you know exactly what that is before you unwrap it right yeah yeah exactly <laughs> no he actually took her apparently there's this guy in la who makes bowling balls in his garage. Amazing. And he is like a world-renowned bowling ball maker who just has this artisanal workshop in his garage. And people from all around the country come to get bowling balls made by this guy. And he somehow found this guy and took her to the garage and had a personal fitting. 
She got to pick the material of the ball. There are still cross people out there like this who, who specialize in things this like that. This sounds like balls. a Sunday story, honestly, Zach. Oh, this, yeah. We'll have to go find that guy. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Let him take you through the lab. <laughs> Anyway, long, interesting history with bowling. This change with string pins is the latest in the saga of technological developments. And uh, we'll have to see how it pans out. I don't think professional bowlers are going to like that 7% dip too much. Agreed. Agreed. All right, folks. Thanks for tuning in today. That's going to do it for us. We are the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today was Robert Hartwig, and our executive producer, as always, is Darren Clark. We've got a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. If you're not subscribed, you can go get yourself signed up at thehustle.co slash email, and we'll catch you tomorrow.